Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And welcome to episode 142 of Geek Town Radio. And we have a new co-host this week. And his name is Gray. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. Good, good. Would you like to tell the ladies and gentlemen a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, I am actually a teacher. Uh, I'm my day job. And in the weekends and evenings, I am a runner and I watch films and I like watching so much television. I don't know how I fit it all into my life. <laughs> yes. You've actually kind of come on board Geek Town as the film reviewer because it's one thing that we've not been massively covering that much recently. So it's quite useful. And you're London based. So yes. or, or you will be closer to London based in the next week or so. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, that will be quite useful. And you've you've actually you did one thing this weekend, didn't you? Yes, I did. I went and saw uh, a preview of Early Man, the uh, Ardman animations. Film. Right. So yes, yes. That was exciting. Exciting times I, I was there just before the world premiere they let sort of journalists and families of all the post-production crew in oh, cool. um, and it was a really good setup they had lots of clowns and family entertainers for the little kids and then oh, um, Nick Park did an opening sort of speech before it played so that was really nice to be part of so yeah yeah they're, they're quite cool some of those uh, particularly the ones that are aimed at the kids because they do tend to cater for the kids as well yeah so they're, definitely they're, definitely they're quite good so uh, what else have you been doing this week so obviously I have to mix it in with my my job as well so i have been watching films and it obviously gives me things to talk about in the classroom because i teach yes. film so that's obviously <laughs> really relevant um so this week uh, i went to see early man and i also watched possibly for the 14th time vertigo um it sounds bizarre <laughs> but it's a film the students have to study but it's also become one of my favorite films and i know when i was at um, school and i first studied media i studied psycho and i got a bit hooked on hitchcock yeah um, so i watching vertigo again for the 14th time I've got some of the kids saying, don't you find that boring, sir? And I'm like, actually, no, I find something new every time. Yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, and I also watched a German film called The Wave. Um, okay. Again, for school, 2009 film. It's uh, about a teacher who basically 
demonstrate to the children that he could still run a dictatorship in Germany, despite them being like anti-Nazi and quite an interesting <laughs> film. And again, to watch teenagers watching these sorts of films is fascinating for me because they go into it thinking, oh, I'm not going to like this, sir. I'm not going to like this. And they come out going, oh my word, that's amazing. And, and so that's really good. So those are my films. Um, I've been doing a lot of retrospective viewing as a contributor. I think you're going to find me always doing things yes, that I should have watched uh, right in the past. So <laughs> that's I've been fine. <laughs> trying to watch Black Mirror season three and I finished it uh, just because I want to start watching season four. Yes. Um, so I finished watching season three and I I know everyone talks about San Junipero, but my favorite one was the last one um, with Kelly McDonald's the detective. Um, I just thought it was such a brilliant episode um, and it fascinated me and I was a little bit hooked. So I enjoyed that. Yes, yes. Um, good series. Again, looking for the bizarre. I'm a big fan of this program called 19.2 and it's a Canadian uh, drama based on two um, police officers in Montreal yeah. and, and it, I think it originally started off as a French drama uh, back in about um, 2009, 2011 and it got yes. transferred to a Canadian one and I, I thought I'd lost it and it got moved from Spike to BET on, on Sky and right. so I managed to catch up on season three but I can't find out when season four is coming and I think it's the last season and obviously I follow Geek Town's uh, list and I've tried tweeting Bet and I've tried tweeting the company in Canada but had no news I really want to see season four I'll have to have a look and see what yeah. I can find on that because uh, I, I don't think we've actually updated it since it moved off Spike so uh, yeah, I yeah, need to so, go and update that list <laughs> yeah I know it I because I had it on like a series link and I for some flu reason discovered it had been moved to bet channel and yeah. then um so i found series three but i really want season four yeah um i finally started this is us it's been ah. on my planner for for months and months and months and i i didn't think i'd like it based on the premise that people told me about but i'm like four or five episodes in now and i'm a little bit hooked and i, yeah. I want to try and get through that it is uh, incredibly addictive that show um that i mean because i quite enjoyed it and you do spend the first episode kind of wondering where on earth is that is this going and then that that little twist at the end of the first episode kind of pushes you on yeah, and then it's yeah. just the characterizations are so good it's it's really solid series. I'm looking I forward to that coming back. Some good, like good actors as well. You know, yeah. my my live Timilia, who from I loved him from Heroes. I just really, yeah. really like that. Um, and Justin Hartley. I, I just for yes. ages I was like, where do I remember Justin Hartley from? Where do I? And then I was like, oh, Smallville. Of course, yes. I remember watching was, that when I was younger. Yes. And, completely hooked on that and and revenge as well so um i did my christmas catch up of all the dc shows before they returned so <laughs> yeah. i remember over christmas i i watched the big um crossover episode um and i watched them all but arrow it's just this weird thing i watched supergirl flash um and legends of tomorrow but i just I never got into arrow and i don't know why but yeah. i even watched that episode of the crossover yes i i know a lot of people that don't tend to watch arrow but watch the others um i mean i've i obviously watch all of them because i sort of have to anyway but yeah. i know quite a few people that out of the all the shows tend to rate arrow the lowest so it's it's no great surprise they i mean they're back in the u.s this week i don't know when they're back in the uk yet um, uh, yeah i saw um i saw grant gusty 
Justin do sort of an Instagram about his, he's on trial in his first episode. So yes. I know from the, what it left it in the last episode before it broke. I'm really excited about that coming Yes, back. it looks really good. It's just, I, I don't know when Sky are going to bring it back. I think the fact that they've, they've messed around with the US scheduling with this weird sort of split of Supergirl's back for like three yeah. episodes and then Legends is taking that slot. And so it, it's a bit all over the place. I'm not sure what that's going to do with Sky, um, whether they're going to run it in the same way or whether they're going to hold it for longer. And because yeah. the problem is, it's very difficult to predict with those shows because they've come back in January, February and March in previous years. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's no consistency. So we don't know when that's well, coming back. They've got a new yet. one joining, haven't they? But will not be part of yes. the crossover. Um, yes, the CW so. in America has uh, Black Lightning joining. Black Lightning is coming to the UK. It's coming the week after, actually. It's coming on Netflix over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that won't play into like the crossover at all in the um, so. No, not at the moment. The, but they then, having said that it, it's not part of the same universe, despite it being the same team, they're now saying there is a possibility that it may have a crossover at some point in the future, which oh. is sort of what <laughs> happened with Supergirl. So yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. If a crossover happens, you're just going to have to make sure you've got Netflix for that month. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then watch it in the right sequence for to make sense yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, i mean I, I suspect if a crossover happens as long as you've got netflix and you've got sky it's not going to be a problem if you haven't got netflix go and get like a free you know the month for free the or month, whatever yeah, yeah. yeah and just do that and turn it off again it'll only cost you seven quid so <laughs> so uh, yes it's a bit uh, of yes. a pain but uh i in the moment they're they're not planning crossovers but they have said that it is a possibility yeah. so um i started watching the orville now this comes with a bit of context because um for people who now know me as the film reviewer i am not a fan of like star wars or the star trek movies it's just something <laughs> i was in this bubble in sussex as i grew up that i never really uh, came to me um and so i've never really been into into it and so when the orville came out and i thought well this is a different approach on sort of a sci-fi i'm gonna give it a try and i'm two episodes in and i'm still there um i do find it a bit frustrating with the complete bizarre like out there sort of situations but right. you know what i'm giving it a go so i'm two episodes into the orville and i'll, I'll keep going for a while i think um, good good i i do love that show it's interestingly they've said that the second season is going to tone down some of the sillier stuff and play it more as a straight sci-fi, which I think is quite interesting. It is, for anybody that's seen it and has seen the uh, Star Trek Next Generation, it is very, very Star Trek Next Generation, that. Um, yeah. uh, much closer to it than Star Trek Discovery, which, I mean, Star Trek Discovery is brilliant, but this is far closer to what Next Generation was than Discovery is. So uh -huh. it's kind of interesting. But uh, I, I uh -huh. really love that series. I think it's really good. Um, and then the rest of my viewing, um, because as I was, I'm commuting at the moment before I move properly to London, are these loads of 30-minute programs to sort of like while I'm getting ready or going to bed and things like that. So right. I have been binging on Modern Family, Superstore, Trolley, The <laughs> Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, Will and Grace 
it's just these quick 30 minute things that don't take up a lot of thinking yes um, and and so i'm really up to date with all of those uh, there's controversial over the first bob's burgers episode um i don't know if you got that at all this no, week no no i haven't um, seen that so they used fan art um they they were trying to do this sort of homage to all the fan art of bob's burgers right and so Every every cut of a scene went to a new animation, and these different ways that obviously fans of the show have have drawn Bob and his Bob's Burgers. Right, and I thought it was quite clever. But the reviews on some of the user reviews on some of the forums and IMDb and things like that are really slating the episode, saying it didn't work, it really distracting. And as I was like, Bob's Burgers isn't a serious drama. No, no, you don't have to get that worked up. Yeah. I thought it was nice. It was clever. Yeah, it gave I, I, stuff I, back to the fans. So. Certainly sounds like a nice idea anyway. Yeah. So um, I'm loving Will and Grace's return. I yes. Think that well-deserved. I love Karen. I think she's an absolutely fantastic <laughs> character. But yeah, I really, really, really enjoy that. I mean, yeah, I, I've been watching that as well. It's as good, I think, as it was uh, when it went off air, however many years ago it was. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's exactly the same show as it was yeah. back then. Possibly a little bit more political now because of some of the Trump stuff. <laughs> certainly that, the Trump stuff, yeah. Yeah, certainly the first episode was. But that, I can't remember. Maybe that stuff was in there previously and I just didn't notice as, as much. But um, yeah, I really, really fun show. And uh, if you like Willow Grace before, this is just more of the same. But I, just, I really enjoy nice, it. It's isn't it? To yeah. sort of tap into it. And uh, I've I've got all the original um, episodes on DVD somewhere, and I've got them on my Sky as well. And so again, I watch those every so often when I'm getting ready and things like that. Yeah. And they're sometimes just nice to chill out too. Yeah, very much so. That's that's basically it. I've got a little bit of a week ahead planned. I um I know that Grace and Frankie is coming out on Friday on Netflix. Yes. Um, and I. I binged those over the summer as I was moving jobs. So I had a, a week of uh, not much to do. And someone had told me about Grace and Frankie. So I completely binged that. So I'm actually looking really, really looking forward to it coming this Friday. Yes. Um, I've also got to catch up with some of the Shondaland shows. So if I'd spent most of this week catching up on the DC shows, I've now got to catch up on the um, How to Get Away with Murder, which came back, and Grey's Anatomy, which I want to catch uh, catch up on as well, um, just so I can be fully prepared as they before they go on their sort of mid-season breaks and returns. Yes. Yes. Like that. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, How to Get Away with Murder came back this week, which uh, is a Shondaland series, which I've I've been quite enjoying that. I mean, they get more and more preposterous as you go through the Shondaland <laughs> shows, but I've, I've been quite thoroughly enjoying How to Get Away with Murder since the beginning. Uh, yeah. I, I love the sort of time jump things where they kind of jump forward and you've kind of got to work out what how they got to where they got to, you know, in the, uh, in the story. So, yeah. That I, I really quite enjoy. Is it the last one? Am I right in the rumours that this is the last season? Um, um, officially, no. They've not cancelled it yet. So, I mean, maybe, it may be. I don't know what the... Uh, I'll have to go and check what the ratings are for it. But uh, it possible, possible, because she, she has got quite a few shows out at the moment. Yeah. The, the network has. And they've got a new one starting as well. They might have a couple of new ones, actually. So so maybe, but... Uh, oh, Scandal's definitely finishing thinking of Shondaland shows. That is yes, ending. Yes, yeah. that is ending. So I've got about two episodes to catch up on with that as well. So. Yeah. So, um, yes, there's a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of the Shondaland stuff out there. I've not watched Chicago Fire at all. And I've got to catch up with Grace and Frankie because um, I, I, everybody tells me it's great and it's just one that keeps on slipping away from me and I, I've not got around to watching, but everybody says it's brilliant. 
So it's yeah, one it's that really I need good, to get yeah. to. It's one that I need to get to. Um, mainly this week. I mean, I've done quite a lot of Netflix catching up. Star Trek Discovery, of course, came back last week, which I've been watching. Mike, who occasionally does this show, tweeted me saying, it's basically, it's like Game of Thrones in space, this show. Uh, <laughs> because they, they are fairly slapdash with whether characters survive or not, which is completely not Star Trek at all. If you've never watched Star Trek, Discovery is quite a good place to get into it, I think, because it, it's it's so much not Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, if, if you, I mean, uh, I remember Matt when he was on sort of says it's Star Trek for his age group and, you know, he's a child because he's 22 yeah. or something. But, oh. um, <laughs> uh, but yes, it, so it is a very different take on Star Trek, but they are incredibly liberal with uh, whether characters survive or not, which is, is great fun. Did they kill someone this week? Did I read something on a, a stream that someone did shock? Uh, they they killed, they, they gave quite a shock death last week. I don't think they killed anybody this week. There's an episode that came out, we're recording this on the Monday, so there's an episode that came out today, which I have just watched, which again is superb. And there is a fanfic theory which has been going around quite recently, which I won't go into, but it has it does resolve that one way or another, that fan theory. This week we get we get to find out whether it's correct or not. So okay. um there is that. But yeah, I mean, honestly, superb, very well written drama. And uh, I'll, put, I'll put it on the list, Dave. I'll put it on my list. I'll yeah, try. <laughs> yeah, it, it's you know, you really you need to get more into more sci-fi. Also, if you're prepared to sort of get into sci-fi a bit more, The Expanse is the other thing you should look at, which is a Netflix or it is Netflix show over here. That's a really good, well written drama series. So, uh, and you've got Altered Carbon coming soon as well, which again is another yeah. superb looking series. Yeah. That was an exciting trailer to watch. <laughs> it was. It was, it was. I'm really looking forward to that. Other things this week, changing tack entirely, there is a show called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, which is Dave Letterman's new show. Dave Letterman, the American talk show host, who has been off TV for a few years now. But he's now back with uh, a monthly talk show. So it's one episode, one 60-minute episode a month they're releasing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's six episodes in this first series, and the first episode, the guest for the entire... 60 minutes is Barack Obama. Wow. So they. I did see it pop up on my Netflix. It told me it recommended that as a show. Yeah. The one next month is George Clooney. So it's the type of guest you would dream of having on a chat show. They're either high profile actors or high profile politicians. They're people that interest Dave Letterman. Uh, mm-hmm. And he managed to get Obama on for the uh, first one which is a is a fascinating interview it's the first time he's really been interviewed since trump came to office they skirt round the issue of trump quite a lot without directly mentioning him but they they skirt around some of the conversation points around that so it's not like what do you think of the current administration there's none of that it's more about sort of his life and him growing up and that sort of stuff and they do discuss some of the current political climate but not in so many words but it's a really interesting interesting well put together interview thing of mainly the two of them just on chairs talking to each other but there is some cutting stuff that he's gone out and shot as well so it's a mixture of different things but um if you like sort of good solid interviewing that's worth going to look at putting it on my list now there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh 
in terms of network things coming back, Bull came back, which is a wonderfully fun standard US network show, but uh, very, very watchable. Been thoroughly enjoying that. So that's back for its second season. Uh, Will and Grace, we already mentioned. iZombie has been the main thing I've been binging through at the moment because I was way, way behind on that. I'm now just at the start of the third season and uh, I'm really thoroughly enjoying it. The, the overarching story for each season kind of shifts quite dramatically and certainly the, the story going into the start of the third season changes things quite a lot. And I quite like it when shows do that, you know, when they, they are kind of moving on and it's not just a repeat of the same thing over and over. So uh, they're doing a really good job with that and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So my, my plan is to try and catch up before the season comes back again. And then Altered Carbon, as we mentioned, the new trailer for that dropped and it just looks phenomenal. Again, another Netflix show. That's a show I think could be worth getting Netflix for if you haven't got it. So yeah, uh, yeah. I know we're plugging Netflix quite a lot. I don't have a deal or anything. This is <laughs> it's just it's very good at the moment. Netflix is very really good. So it's it is worth going to to watch. Altered Carbon, I think, is is going to be a very special looking series. I know. I mean, just when I saw the trailer, I, I'm a, quite a geek when it comes to like the ensemble cast, and so many faces were popping up in that trailer. Yeah, and it's just like oh, so it's got Dyke and Lackman, who is in Agents of Shield, Kristen Lemon, um, who uh, did Motive, the Canadian drama, right. Atto Asandoa, who's in Chicago Med at the moment, James Purefoy, um, Tamara. Taylor was in Bones and Hiro Kanagawa he's been in so much recently he's been popping up in so many tv programs yeah uh, uh, he recently was the is i know he's been in man in the high castle which i haven't been watching but he was in heroes reborn he's done a stint on the x files he was in legends of tomorrow it's that one of those actors that you recognize and he yes. just seems to be in so many programs and then he's in this as well you just think well it's got to have a really good caliber of uh of story as well if it's going to have a good cast like that yeah yeah there's it, it's a really solid looking cast very very interesting looking show i mean with things like blade runner coming out it's got certainly has that sort of look to it i would say yeah, it's got that, that sort of cyberpunk look to it so i can't remember the exact date for that coming out but it, i know it's very soon i think it's early next month february i think it's the first friday in february I, yes i'm I, I, watching it on like the third time <laughs> yes i think that's correct I, th- I know it's early february so it'll be the first friday in february but that I think we'll definitely be one to go and watch out for. I think that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Next up, we have some TV and film news. So TV and film news this week. We start off, as ever, with the air date updates. We've got a few interesting things that have popped up this week. Uh, Stana Katik's new show, Absentia, which is where she plays this police officer who is kidnapped, then sort of turns up five years later with no kind of memory of exactly what happened. She's originally, she's treated as a victim and then is st- sort of treated as a suspect in the, when an abduction starts happening again so yeah it looks quite interesting this show it's uh starts on 2nd of february on amazon prime if you want to go and uh, get a look at that stanicatic of course was one half of uh, the castle team mm-hmm. um which was castle was a great show as well if you've not seen that so we've got that coming we've got uh an 
air date for the new espionage drama from Fox, which is called Deep State. This stars Mark Strong. It's coming on the 5th of April at uh, 9pm, which is a Thursday. Mark Strong in anything is worth watching. So he's very good. And to see him going to sort of head up a a US drama is really good for him. Yes, Uh, this looks like it's going to be a really solid, interesting homelandy type, you know, 24 type, that sort of area of of drama. It looks like maybe a bit darker than that, but it's looking like it's going to be that sort of solid espionage thing. Yeah, it's going out on Fox internationally, that, so uh, everybody Mm -hmm. can see it. Luther has begun filming its fifth season in London with the Giselle. (laughs) So, yes, a lot of people are very, very happy about that. You know, Luther's an amazing show, so I'm very happy to see that back. We don't know when it's going to wear it. I mean, if they're filming now, that probably places it at the earliest, at the end of the year. My guess is it might take the January slot. Yeah, we don't have a Sherlock coming back, do we? So, you know, Mafia's had it this year. So what's going to take the January, the first slot for 2019? if Sherlock's not ready so yeah potentially Luther yes I that that I think is probably when it's likely to go out that would seem like the right sort of show for that Mm -hmm. also we had the news this week that Michael J Fox is going to be doing a five episode arc on designated survivor and I posted this on Facebook and it got a ridiculously positive reaction uh so uh but uh I mean designated survivor is a is a really fun show I mean it's it's Jack Bauer as the president essentially with (laughs) (laughs) um I mean he's he's not quite as kick-ass as Jack Bauer but you know it's Kiefer and Kiefer's just so watchable it's sort of a little bit West Wing but with Kiefer Sutherland as the president um so <laughs> but it, it's immensely fun and enjoyable and uh I, I mean I adore Michael J Fox I think he's he's superb and uh I you know I'm so happy that he's managing to get out and still kind of act even with all the stuff that he's dealing with yeah so, so i'm so happy to see him with this and i i'm really looking forward to seeing that so he's on a it's only a five episode arc but i am very much looking for, forward to that also we got the news over the weekend that uh Cosmos is coming back for a second series. Uh, did you see the first one of these? I didn't see this. And again, it was, I think the sci-fi thing may have put me off, but I saw a trailer and I, I thought maybe that should go on my list if yeah. I get time. So Definitely, because it isn't really sci-fi. I mean, it's a documentary series, really. It's a science documentary series. And it's it's based on the original one, which was done by Carl Sagan. There are a number of references back to the original one. That was done back in the 70s and inspired a sort of generation, including people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and various people like that, it inspired them to sort of get into science. And that was the mm. idea with the 2014 series was to bring that sort of thing back. And it's a mixture of live action and CGI and traditional animation to bring to life stories and concepts that are sort of about science in a very easily accessible way. Uh, certainly, I mean, if you've got teen children, it's a great show for them to learn about science and that sort of stuff but uh yeah even as an adult i found it incredibly enjoyable and there's a lot of things you'll learn in there that you might not know from other places they're they're bringing that back for another season this 
this one's called Possible Worlds, which explores sort of more stuff about the universe, because a lot of the last one was about, was some of it about space, but a lot of it was about sort of technologies on Earth and that sort of thing. Definitely I have to allow it. science more into my life, I think, Dave. I'm going <laughs> to really start accepting more science. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the uh, the t- 2014 series went out on National Geographic and Fox. It was in 171 countries and in 43 languages and won oh, God knows how many Emmys and various other uh, awards for it. Interesting, one of the backers of it is Seth MacFarlane, who is the guy behind Family Guy and uh, The Orville, who was instrumental in getting the money together to bring the show, to basically pull the show together and getting it financed. So the team behind The Orville are actually behind this, despite the fact that they're wildly different shows. I mean, this is <laughs> very much not sci-fi. It is science. You know, yeah. It's a science documentary series, just a very, very well done one. Uh, yeah. But if you've not seen Cosmos, the first season of that is on Netflix now. So oh. uh, I I would urge you to go watch it. As I say, one to add to my list. <laughs> yeah, um, and and as I say, if you're if you're parents with teen kids, it, it is a great thing as well to to show kids because it's incredibly engaging and there's a lot of fun CGI stuff in there, which explains various things about science in the universe uh, in a very very easy way. So I I would urge everybody to go and watch that. It's a superb series if you're not watching. Uh, can I add a bit of film news before you go on to your next one? Yes, sure. Did you read the article about the John Wick TV series getting the go-ahead? Yes, um, yes. And being around the Continental and then uh, Keanu Reeves has sort of announced over the weekend that he hopes that he will get sort of like a an appearance within the franchise if it takes, even if it goes goes ahead. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge fan of, of John Wick and John Wick 2 and that that's you know that's quite exciting for that film to be going into a tv program so we posted something about that months and months ago um that it was in development so uh, it's it looks like you know they have finally picked it up and i mean keanu is one of the nicest guys you i mean if you've ever read anything about keanu reeves go go and read up on him because he <laughs> is some of the things that he's done such as he gave away the money from the sequels uh, and made millionaires out of all the people that did the CGI on the sequels of The Matrix because he basically said, I've got enough money to live off multiple times over throughout my life. You have all the money because without you guys, I wouldn't be here. So <laughs> and, made, and basically made overnight millionaires of all the people that worked on those films. It's amazing. Uh, and there are, there are various things about the way he treats his family, the way he treats fans. He just seems like the nicest guy in the world. So uh, yes, I'm, I, I'm sure they will have no problem getting him to come on and do some bits yeah. on this if it helps them out. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I uh, really enjoyed the movies as well. So that looks like it's going to be good. So moving on to some of the bigger news stories this week. First up, uh, The Walking Dead has been renewed for a nice season, uh, which everybody, I think, probably expect. What was the interesting bit of news out of that, though, is Scott N. Gimble, who, uh, if you've ever watched Talking Dead, you know who that guy is. He's been on multiple times. Who was the showrunner, has been removed, which is... um, 
kind of interesting. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's essentially he's been promoted out of the way by the sounds of it. They created a new role for him called Chief Content Officer of all things Walking Dead. So he will be Chief Content Officer of Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. The new showrunner will be Angela Kang, who is been a writer on the series since the second season and then got bumped to producer and then exec producer. So she's been around for quite a long time as well. We don't know exactly what's got them to make this change other than, I mean, we know the ratings have been going down for mm-hmm. starters. Uh, the ratings have gone down quite a lot in the last couple of seasons. I mean, it's still fairly high rated internationally, but they have gone down on AMC in the US quite a lot. And there is the recent controversy from the mid-season finale of the show. I'm not going to go into spoilers too much, but they did massively alter one character's story arc from the comic books, mm-hmm. which went down like a lead balloon with both fans. <laughs> and- Me included. I mean, I've been a fan since the first series and I've always tuned in, um, Mm. but it's lost me. It's completely lost me now. And I don't know if it's that decision, but I just found the last series um, just a real drain, series seven in particular. I wasn't enjoying it as much and I sort of struggled through. And then when I read about the decision that he'd made, I was like, maybe I don't want to carry on watching this. So I'm still in two minds whether I should actually continue. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite interested to see where they go with it. I mean, I don't read the comic books. And I mean, as anybody that listened to the Walking Dead UK podcast that we do with Matt will know, I mean, those guys, Matt and Chris, read the comic books. So they know where the story was supposed to go. And this particular character has a huge story arc coming up. And uh, now he doesn't on the TV show. So it's diverging a lot from where the comic book went. Mm. Um, There is also the fact that behind the scenes, it sounds like it wasn't handled particularly well with the actor either, because he'd just bought his own house in Atlanta. And then literally having been sort of basically not told that this was coming up. So he bought a new house and then two months later, he's told you're off the show. So it seems like the whole thing was handled very badly. Whether that's added to them removing him or whether it's just the ratings, I don't know. So we'll we'll see, but we may get more kind of news coming out about that. But I mean, I I don't know. I I am still enjoying it. I think this season has been stronger than season seven. Season seven opened very very well but then dragged throughout yeah, yeah this season has been a lot better the all-out war stuff they are supposed to be wrapping up all-out war at the end of, they've said definitively it will end at this the end of this season and then we're assuming there is some form of time jump coming up which would be quite good because a new showrunner can then lead it wherever yeah, they yeah. want to lead it so i don't know i will see uh i mean walking dead comes back uh fox uk monday the 26th of february at 9 p.m uh so we'll we'll see the resolution of the uh, fairly shocking mid-season finale and uh, we'll see where they go from there but uh, yeah that huge huge change from the comic books so uh, mm-hmm. that's I don't know we'll see what happens moving on Channel 4 are developing a TV adaptation of Gareth Edwards' movie Monsters did you see this film? I didn't I know it. I've been uh, told I should have watched it 
Mm. <laughs> it's one of those things. You of all people, I think, should have, should have watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the original film, if you aren't aware of it, although it's called Monsters and is technically a sci-fi movie, it is not really a sci-fi movie. The essentially idea behind it was that uh, this probe had been sent out into space to collect samples after NASA discovered alien life in the solar system. It crashes on re-entry over Central America, and not long after that, new life forms start appearing. So they end up having to quarantine a whole section of Central America. Um, the actual story in Monsters, fairly simple, and it's not really sci-fi at all. It follows a US journalist, played by Scoot McNary, who is strong-armed into going to try and rescue his wayward uh, American tourist uh, daughter of his boss, who's gone off wandering in the infected zone, and he's got to try and sort of escort her back out of there. And he just happens to be the only guy that's in the area that can do it. <laughs> it's quite a sort of small story that just happens to have this massive backdrop behind it. So it's quite an interesting setup because you don't need to kind of remake it you can just take the same background and then attach another story to it yeah yeah. so you say take the same premise that these aliens are in this infected zone i mean in the film you barely see them it's kind of alluded to and stuff but you i think there is one or two shots of them in the uh in the film you barely see them because it was done as a little sort of i think it was an independent movie ronan bennett who is the creator of top boy and uh gunpowder as well he's going to be running a showrunner on it apparently the guys who wrote uh, save me which is this new sky atlantic show that's coming up this year and a show called Run. They are writing it. Edwards himself is not thought to be directly involved in the day-to-day running of the series, but I suspect he will at least be on board as an exec producer. Yeah, he's got to be, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have something from him, I would have thought. But yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting thing for an adaptation because the premise was sort of detached from the story. So to plug another story into that same kind of world and background isn't really a huge leap. Mm. And it's it's quite interesting that it's Channel 4 doing this. It's not some kind of big US network. It's Channel 4 who are looking for a partner in it the same way that they have with uh, AMC on Humans and Electric Dreams, which is a partnership with Amazon. Yeah. So they're looking for a partner on it. It's still in very very early development the only thing that i mean channel 4 called me and basically said yeah all i can really say is we are in development with it oh. and that was it so they can't really say anything else because there isn't really anything else to say yeah. other than the fact it is there and they, they are doing it so we'll bring you more on that when we know a bit more if it goes anywhere i mean quite often these things start off in development and go don't go anywhere so yeah it we'll has say. to work doesn't it they have to make sure that the audience are going to want to invest in it so they're probably going to be getting yes. really good script writers on it and things like that so so we'll, we'll see where that goes but uh it could be quite interesting i think and certainly i think the fact that it's channel four doing it and seeing what they've done with things like humans and electric dreams i'm i have quite confidence that they are probably the right people to handle this moving on we've got another adaptation coming this is Anne rice's vampire chronicles which i'm sure quite a lot of people certainly of my age will know these books and uh, apparently brian fuller 
has joined this series. We have mentioned before that the that they are making a TV series of the Vampire Chronicles because for a long time Anne Rice didn't have the television or film rights because she sold them to I don't know Universal or one of the film companies Paramount. I can't remember who it was. So she sold the rights, but because they hadn't done anything with them for twenty years or so, they all reverted back to her. So when they reverted back, she was like, "Yes, I've got them again," and uh, immediately set about making a TV show. <laughs> Um, so uh, she's working on this TV series with her son Christopher who's a writer himself as well so those two have been kind of working and putting this together they then announced that uh, Brian Fuller who you will know as being the person behind Pushing Daisies and Hannibal and uh, up until fairly recently American Gods and uh, he was also on Star Trek Discovery as well Uh, he has apparently joined them and he's quite sweet really because Christopher wrote this long kind of thing about how this came about his connection to the show goes or his connection to the books actually goes back to the 1980s he was a young teenager from washington state he wanted to work in hollywood one day and uh, he wanted to work on an adaptation of interview with a vampire so he got a copy of the san francisco phone book and checked to see if the author of interview with a vampire had a listed phone number and it turns out Anne Rice did amazingly so <laughs> he called her and basically said he was this teenage kid and basically said I would love to make your book for the big screen can I do it so she said well there's a guy in Hollywood that had the rights and you're kind of too young so go away kid hone your talent maybe you can do it Sunday that kid of course was Brian Fuller grew up to be one of the most innovative people in TV yeah. and and um, he now has got his dream of working on a show which is based on the characters in Interview with the Vampire. So, <laughs> so it's quite cool, really. Um, I mean, are you familiar with these books? I'm not. I mean, I do remember Interview with the Vampire when I was younger because uh, it came out when I was about 11. Mm. And I remember it being like one of those shows that everybody really wanted to see. We weren't quite old enough to see it. And when we did see it, I remember key scenes. Um, not many memories stay with me. I, I think I remember French and Saunders doing a mock-up of it when I was <laughs> right, younger yeah. as well and finding that absolutely hilarious. So it would be something I'd be interested in, I suppose, because I sort of like those sorts of uh, programs that take from the original novel. And if she's got yeah. it back, I think that might be quite interesting to see where well, yeah. she could go with it. I mean, so. they've, they've tried twice to make movies out of it. The first one was the Interview with the Vampire movie, which was Brad Pitt and um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, and yeah. Was actually a fairly good adaptation. One of the comments that people made was about Brad Pitt's character, Louis, was kind of whiny throughout of it. And they sort of said that was a criticism of the film. And it's not. It's actually a problem with the book. Louis is an annoying character in the book. So they actually made quite a faithful adaptation of it. Unfortunately, it's just that was always an issue with me in the book. I wanted to reach through the pages and slap him because he was so <laughs> irritating. Tom Cruise made an amazing version of Lestat, I thought, in there. It was really good. I'm very very keen to see a TV version of this though because there are 11 books in this series and it kind of trundles through history. It starts off in the 18th century and ends up in modern day. So as you follow, I mean, they mainly follow Lestat across 
in the books, but it, they do follow some other characters as well. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see how they put this together and whether they set it in a particular time period or whether they are going to do that and start off in like one time period and move forward. The issue with Brian Fuller recently has been the fact that he hasn't been able to hold down a job because uh, <laughs> he was he was on Star Trek Discovery until they booted him off. He was on American Gods until they booted him off. Although the exec producer that's basically been left holding the baby after Brian left with uh, Michael Green, who is the other showrunner, mm-hmm. star CEO, who is basically the person that's been left with deciding what to do with the show, has uh, they apparently left over issues with budget because they weren't being allowed to give the money, you know, to have the money they wanted to make American God season two the way they wanted to. So he's now come out and said, you know, Brian and Michael working with Neil have done a phenomenal job. Our partners at Fremantle are working with Brian and Michael to try and get their schedules and a way for them to be continue to be involved. I mean, the, the original story was that it was a money issue. I mean, maybe it was a scheduling issue, but it, the fact that they both left at the same time would seem to say that it was a bit more than a scheduling issue. Mm. He then goes on to say that Neil Gaiman will be taking a more central role and moving forward in a more traditional showrunner function. Neil Gaiman then tweeted out, actually, no, I'm not, because I'm already a showrunner on Good Omens, which is going to be take up all of my time. I can't physically showrun two shows at the same time. So uh, my I will still be involved, but it's going to need a new permanent showrunner. So uh, there seems to be conflicting stories about what's happening with American Gods. That's only going to be more confused with the fact that Brian Fuller now has this gig on Vampire Chronicles. He's also currently working on a reboot of Amazing Stories, which was an old Steven Spielberg series, like anthology series of sort of adventure stories. He's working on that as well. So he's already got two shows. I don't know how much time he's going to have to dedicate to American Gods if they want him back. Yeah. So yes. I've got a lot of... I mean, he... He created two of my favorite programs from back in the day. So I don't know if you remember this, Dave. There's a program called Dead Like Me. It was yes. around 2003. Yeah. Um, and I, I know it only lasted one one season or two seasons maybe, but it I absolutely brilliant. loved it. And yeah. then obviously a few years after that, Pushing Daisies with mm. Anna Friel. Yeah. That to me was one of the best programs um, ever. And I know that obviously was all during the writer's strike that we we lost that program in particular. But I think Brian Fuller has got like a a sort of a golden touch. But this whole culture of people being moved on and us getting a lot of it in the press, it just makes me wonder... Has that always been happening, but the press just don't cover the people being moved on as much as they are now? Maybe. I don't know. I I mean, I don't think it's happened quite as much as... as I I think we're getting maybe to know a lot of the showrunners more. Yeah. With the advent of social media, we're getting a lot more connected with a lot of the showrunners. So you know who these people are more than you ever did, I think. The thing with Brian Fuller is if you leave him to do his thing, he's superb the problem is if you get in the way it goes wrong and that's sort of what happened with star trek discovery which you know they have created a really good show but fuller was butting butting heads with everybody else there and it wasn't going the direction exactly that he wanted so he left um Mm. 
And the similar thing, by the sounds of it, has happened on American Gods. I mean, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, with, certainly with Discovery, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. He may have been wrong about what he wanted to do. He may not have been. I mean, I don't know how much of his stuff actually survived. So it's very difficult to to tell. But I have a lot of time for Brian Fuller because like you, you know, I love Dead Like Me. I adored Pushing Daisies. I thought that was an amazing show. I don't know. I hope that Christopher Rice and Rice and Brian Fuller are all on the same page with this. Uh, <laughs> and, and it goes well because it could be a brilliant, brilliant series. I think it could be dark and interesting. And uh, I mean, it's not been picked up by anybody yet. They're still developing it, but hopefully it will end up on either a streaming service or it will end up on HBO because it needs to have that freedom of not being restricted by a network TV, you know, US yeah. network TV. So uh, we'll see where it lands because I suspect it will land somewhere because it's a huge, huge property. So uh, we'll see what happens with it. Hopefully they're all on the same page and it all goes well. Hey. So that's all the news for this week. Next up, we have the interview. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The interview this week is with iTonya editor Tatiana S. Regal. Tatiana is a highly experienced TV and film editor. She's worked across a range of projects from working with Quentin Tarantino on Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown to uh, TV series like House. Uh, she's worked on movies such as Many Stare at Goats, There Will Be Blood, Their Finest Hours, which is out at the moment. Her most recent project has seen her reteam with her longtime collaborator and director Craig Gillespie on the darkly comic biopic iTonya. The film is a portrait of one of the most controversial figures in sport history and follows Tanya Harding's story from her abusive childhood to a shocking figure skating career, uh, all while maintaining a tone that strikes a careful balance between the pitch black comedy and real life tragedy. For those that don't know this story, there was basically an incident where people around Tanya in order to advance her career, attacked one of her competitors, which uh, might just help you going into the interview. As editor, it was up to Tatiana to balance the film's complex moving parts and setting a pace for the ambitious story while giving both the drama and the humour room to shine. Her work on the film has just recently earned uh, an American Cinema Editor's nomination. The film itself has also picked up multiple Emmy nominations as well, I think. So uh, it looks really, really interesting and very very funny, which is weird considering the subject matter. But uh, it's worth going to look up the trailer and it's it's out fairly soon, I think, in the UK. So uh, here's the interview with Tatiana. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. 
Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for taking a bit of time to come on and chat to me. I think you're the first editor we've spoken to. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Well, I, then I, I can't go wrong. No, no. So you've got <laughs> nothing to compare it to. It's great. I guess everybody thinks at a basic level they know what an editor does, but can you sort of describe what yes. your job is from your point of view? Absolutely. I assemble the movie. Basically, they start shooting. I usually start around the time they begin shooting sometimes a little bit before if it's a heavier visual effects movie. But the norm is you start a little bit before, you know, more or less when they start shooting and they shoot and I get the material the very next day, especially now with digital, but even back in the film time, uh, you know, they process it and turn it around and get it to the cutting room. And then I begin assembling it sometimes on location. And sometimes I stay in Los Angeles away from them. And I start to put the movie together. I, I watch all the dailies. Uh, I talk to the director. Obviously, I read the script. I talk to the director. I get an idea of what they're going for, tone, um, et cetera, style maybe. And I begin to assemble the, the edits, the scene by scene, as you know, because they shoot it all out of order. And I generally show, send the, the uh, edits to the director right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, very, they're very rough, but it gives the director an opportunity to, first of all, confirm that they're really getting all the coverage that they want, confirm that they're getting the performances that they want, make any adjustments tonally that they may need to do, and also begin a dialogue between them and me about uh, how we're perceiving the footage and the story and stuff like that. So by the time they finish, you know, the anywhere from five weeks to four months uh, or longer of shooting, depending on the movie, the director has seen almost all of the movie out of order in little bits and pieces. And then when they show up the week after they are shooting, finished shooting, we sit down and watch the movie beginning to end. And that's what we call an assembly, which is basically exactly how the script lays out. And then we begin the process of, of uh, working on the movie, making sure the story is, is working, that scene by scene it's working, that it's not too long, that it's clear, uh, that nothing is redundant. And, and just as you would do if you were writing a paper, basically. You write it all out, you reread it, and you keep mo- move, making adjustments, moving this paragraph up here, et cetera, et cetera. And you work hand in hand with the director through the entire post process, adding in all the elements as they begin to come along. You start to get... Uh, the sound people involved, the music people involved, the composer involved, the visual effects people involved. Then you start having screenings for audiences and get feedback and make adjustments uh, accordingly. That's that's sort of a rough description of the process. At the end, we do all of the color timing and the sound mixing and the, you know, uh, working with the composer to, to, uh, get the score and then lay that in and add that in. And, and that's a, a real quick, um, Cliff Notes version of the process. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it said before that a movie is kind of made three times, once in the yeah. writing, once in the principal photography, and then again in the edit. Um, True. You know, that, yeah, you would, you would subscribe to that as well. Wholeheartedly, yeah. It's, it's a very interesting thing because, you know, when it's in somebody's mind and they're writing it, 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 it takes on another form and, and changes and, and develops. And the same thing during production, because you have now actors and locations and time and budget constraints and weather constraints and all of these things that start to happen. And it just keeps changing and changing and changing. Usually, frankly, for the better. I mean, this thing becomes its own, it, it, it has its own life. It becomes its own identity. And, and so when it's actually in the film form and you're watching it, 
something that may have been very clear in script form uh, is all of a sudden not all that clear or vice versa. Something Mm. that was, you know, that you felt in the script needed to be said or shown several times to make sure somebody got it. We get it very clearly. And sometimes that's even just a performance thing. Um, You don't have to say the line of dialogue because your actor uh, is so good that just with their eyes and expression is conveying something when that particular line of dialogue is no longer needed. So that's the process that you go through the whole time, just, you know, fine tuning it and getting to the place where you're really telling the story, you know, in the way you want to. What's the sort of balance of, in terms of, do you basically pick the shots that you think work best? Um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering at the, the sort of balance between the director having a say and sort of what you're picking out. Is it basically you, you using your judgment to pick it and then the director yeah. will go, yes, I like that or no, I don't. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, on, on this particular film, I had a huge advantage because Craig Gillespie and I have worked, this is the fifth feature we've done together. Yeah. So obviously we know each other very well and I, I know very clearly what he's going to want and what his sensibility is and his humor and his emotion and all of these sorts of things. Obviously with a new director, that's more difficult and there's a little more, uh, a little more work that goes into, you know, communicating and getting to know each other that way. But, but generally, yes, the editor goes through, watches all of the dailies. You may get notes from the director of preferred takes, or I really like this particular moment or something like that. But, and I look at those and I obviously, you know, give weight to those things. Absolutely. But I also, as an editor, I always, I like to say I'm sort of the only member of the film crew that's actually the audience. Um, I have not been involved in this whole process getting up to that point. I've not been involved in the, in the script rewrites and stuff like that. I've not been involved in the shooting. I've not been involved in all of those compromises and changes that happen through that whole process. I'm just watching it and reacting emotionally to what is actually um, what I'm feeling at that exact moment. And that's the challenge is to stay fresh with it after the 9,000th time you've seen it. <laughs> but you watch the dailies and all the different angles and takes and stuff like that. And I take notes and I try to remember my initial feelings, uh, what, what I, what really moved me, what, you know, thrilled me, what I found scary, whatever the the moment is and what I found truthful. And I use those takes or parts of takes and show it to the director. And hopefully we're on the same page. Oftentimes as you get the movie as a whole, you want to go back and make adjustments anyway, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you need a particular character to whatever through the process, depending on the film, but uh, so you always are making little adjustments here and there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I generally pick all of those initial takes. Hopefully I'm right. Hopefully uh, we all agree that, and they stay, but it's a process and, and, um, and it's really fun and challenging. Editing's one of the things that's always really interested me. If I, I, I've always thought if I worked in film, editing is the one thing I probably want to do. Yeah. Well, obviously me too. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I have to say it's a wonderful job. When I first got out of college, I knew I wanted to get involved in film and I didn't really know what, and you know, nobody in my family was involved and I had no idea what it was. And so I sort of went through this list of jobs and kind of crossed them all off and ended up with, with editing. I didn't really even know what that was, but that's what I, that's what I did. And it turned out, thank goodness, to be a really the perfect combination of using both sides of my brain, the creative and technical. Mm. 
And that's what I really like about it because it is an extremely creative job and it's an extremely technical job. And it's especially now with technology that's changing. And, and so I'm always learning at work, you know, by the time I finish a movie, there's all kinds of new stuff that has happened and new workflows and, and uh, hardware and programs and all of this stuff that, that I'm, so I'm always learning and it keeps that part of the job really, really exciting. The creative part is always exciting and fun and challenging, but the technical side changes, you know, yeah. too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I come from a web development background. I know exactly yes. what you mean. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. You're okay. yeah perpetually out out of date but yeah 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 it's a, it's one of those things that uh, when i used to work for an agency we used to hire graduates because i always used to say that they're going to be on top of all the new stuff so you know oh absolutely i mean that's that's a, a joke in our cutting room sometimes if if some piece of equipment isn't working or we can't figure out why something's not working where the joke is where, where's the 21 year old let's find <laughs> out they'll figure it out yeah exactly i know exactly yeah. what you mean so you mentioned uh, that you didn't know anybody in the film industry i mean you've been to college presumably yeah. to study film but you didn't know anybody no. in the industry so uh, what did you go to college to study A political science <laughs> right okay yeah. but so, so so how did you end up getting into the film industry then well i grew up in los angeles yeah so that we, it was a, it was around me um, my father, it was, uh, teaching it when I was young, he was teaching at UCLA. He's an astronomer and a physicist. Oh, wow. My mother was a school teacher. And so consequently they wanted me to go to school for like, you know, a regular degree, not a film school degree. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was the, that was the, the, the compromise that we made. Um, <laughs> I did that, but I knew I wanted to get involved in film. I, I loved movies. I loved going to movies. That's what I would do on my weekends. And, and, uh, I loved watching films over and over again. And like I said, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do that. So when I got out of school, I came back and discovered, sort of narrowed it down to editing. And then I had, you know, distant acquaintances that uh, were distantly attached to the film business. <laughs> One was a student of my grandfather's who was a director who, who uh, passed me off to an editor with whom he had work, worked in the past. And he passed me off to their assistant. And another was a friend of my stepfather's buddy, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. you know all of these crazy things. And, and they were nice enough to sit down with me and, and start my networking process. You know, mm. I had a couple of names and I, from those names, I met other people and met other people and met other people. And, you know, because this was in the days before email and, and all of that, it was the old fashioned, you know, typing out letters, mm. snail mail and, yeah. um, phone calls. And I had this chart so that if somebody did call me back, if I was fortunate enough that they call me back, I could look at this chart and figure out very quickly how I had got, how, how I <laughs> heard of them, how I got their name. Wow. So I would go, Oh yeah. So, so-and-so gave me your name, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, my first job, I, I looked back and it was nine generations down of people who knew people who knew people who knew people <laughs> from those first couple of people. And that, and that took about, uh, about two and a half weeks. And I got my first job. In, wow. in, quote, in quotation marks, working for free on a very, very small, low budget movie uh, where they knew I knew nothing, uh, but I was a body and willing to work. Mm. And so they, they taught me and that's how I got started. Wow. Crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's been that ever since. I mean, it's always, I, you know, it's freelance. So it's, uh, it's yeah, yeah. thing that that involves that, you know, you are perpetually unemployed and looking for your next job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the film that you recently finished is, uh, I, Tonya, which is the Tonya Harding story. I, I'm aware of the story cause I'm yeah. old enough to have you know, known about it when it originally happened, but it's an incredibly interesting thing to have to go through because you're following the person who was sort of she wasn't the victim in the actual incident you're following the person who was was involved in the uh sort mm-hmm. of kneecapping of of this mm-hmm. other, of this competitor wasn't it it's a really interesting line you're having to thread i guess with with a film like that and it's a sort of dark comedy isn't it so it, it is it, it's a crazy peculiar um as it turns out, very tragic story for yeah. all all parties concerned. And I think the thing that I found most interesting about the story when I read the script was it was this the way this story to, is told is not at all what I expected because I like you remembered the story when it happened and remembered what the media told us and it was it I remembered in fact. It's very funny because there's a line in the movie that says um, Jeff Galuli says you know people even think that. Tanya hit Nancy. Yeah. And that's actually how I remember yeah, it. Yeah, that's not, how I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's been 25 years. Our, our memory does crazy things to us. And, mm. and none of us were really probably paying that close attention at the time. It was just a, a media frenzy. Mm. Uh, one of the first real media frenzies, you know, in the, in this new age at that point of 24 hour, you yeah. know, news cycle. And they had, they had to fill stuff up. So they talked about it a lot, but they, they sadly spoke about it in very black and white terms. You know, Tanya was the villain and Nancy was the angel. And that's how I remembered it. Mm. And this, the, the interesting thing about this script is it lets you look at it in a, you know, through a much wider lens and lets you see the people for people, which to me, those are the sort of films I like to see. I find I, you know, it's the, it's the people and the characters and everything like that, that make it very interesting. And, and this particular one, I, you know, by the time I got to the end of the script, I thought about Tanya Harding in a way I never expected to, Mm. um, not absolving her of anything and not whitewashing anything, but understanding where people come from and what their reality is and what informs them to their truth. You know, the script is told from the point of view, the the writer interviewed the real Tanya Harding and the real Jeff Galuli. And after he interviewed them, he realized that they had wildly contradictory views of the story. (laughs) And he thought it was fascinating. And he said, this is a great way to to show the story and to give people, you know, access into, into their reality. Mm. Um, That in combination with with what the truth is, uh, makes for a, a pretty fun way of telling a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've only seen the trailer for it because oh, okay. uh, I don't know whether it's out here yet, but it, I've only just seen the trailer for it. Because right. I I was envisaging it being sort of you know something fairly serious in terms of, but it's not. It's it's very funny and and it's it's, it's a very a, serious. Well, it's both, and yeah. that's the really unique thing about the film. It's actually a very emotional, very tragic story. I think surprisingly so. That's what somebody many many people at the end of the film were like are, are comment on that are like, wow, I had no idea it was going to be such an emotional story. And there is very very funny stuff in it. I yeah. mean, it's you laugh 
a lot. You laugh and you cry. I mean, it's that, mm. that, uh, that, that old saying, it's a film where you <laughs> laugh and you cry and you do. And nobody, no matter how you feel about either Tanya Harding or Nancy Kerrigan or the situation, I don't think anybody walks out of the theater at the end of it, seeing what they expected to see. It's, no. it's a, it's a very different and unique and fun, you know, really fun, um, yeah. movie with lots of energy and, and emotion and, and, uh, and comedy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really interested to see it. And cause I kind of looked at it and thought, Oh, it's a thing about figure skating and that incident that happened. And it's not at all that when you read, when no. you watch the trailer. So yes, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing the whole thing. I, I will yeah. uh, go and catch it when it comes out. Please do. For you, what was the most challenging thing on that movie? Well, uh, well honestly, what we were just talking about the, the, the general tone, I think it's, it's very, very difficult from a storytelling perspective to to have something that is very emotional and, and tragic with comedy and it's a fine line to to walk and and you know from from an editorial perspective and a storytelling perspective that was absolutely the most challenging i mean there were things that were challenging about you know this there these fantastic skating sequences and um you know that were just fun to cut and really fun to put together and each one has their own personality and energy and speed and and, and for different parts of the movie and how those fit in. So, you know, the film, there were elements of the actual film specifically that were challenging, but the biggest thing was just this tonal issue that can, you know, a few degrees in any direction could be a, a, a bit of a disaster. Yeah. 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 Do you have a particular genre that you prefer to work in, in terms of uh, the films? Cause you've done things that, you know, like this, which is a very dark comedy. Uh, Fright night was you know, obviously more kind of horror led. And then yeah. you've got things like the, the 3d concert movie of glee, you know, which yeah. is you know, know. so different. Uh, and many stare schizophrenic. At, yeah. yeah. Many stare at goats. And yeah. So you've got very different things. Is there any, thing is it any type of particular genre you prefer cutting uh, no not really i mean i think i think it, the one thing that i would say you know the glee concert movie was just music and fun there's no real story there but, yeah. but with with the exception of that one i think that i um always gravitate towards story you know i i not a particular genre um, in fact, I try to avoid doing the same genre over and over again, if possible. Yeah. Uh, editors can get typecast just like actors and anybody yes, else uh, very, very quickly. Um, you know, you can get to be known as the action editor or the comedy editor or the horror editor or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, which then uh, to me begins to make your job very boring because you're sort of making the same movie over and over again. In the same way, I don't want to eat the same thing for dinner every night. I want to. <laughs> I want to work on different things too. Yeah. So I actively try to mix that up to the, to the best of my ability as if I have any control over that. <laughs> but, um, but I do really try to mix it up. I like it as a rule. If I had to say what it, it would be story motivated if I'm touched by or interested in a particular story and the sort of films that I would like to go see. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You've yeah. done you've done a little bit of TV work as well. Yeah. Um, you worked on uh, House. I know you did a few yes. episodes of, which was the credible series, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and uh, a few other shows as well. Is there a difference in editing something for TV compared to editing for a movie, or <laughs> other than the fact yeah. that the time is massively compressed? Well, that's a big difference, and that makes a uh, that really does make the job tough. Yeah. Um, 
There's not too much of a difference. I like both. I like both a lot. In fact, I've done a lot of television pilots, which is more similar to doing features because you're sort of setting the the style and the, uh, you know, the general tone of the whole thing right away because it hasn't been done before. Those times when I've worked on series, it was really nice because you really got to know you had lots of time. There was one series that I worked on American Dreams for three seasons. You really got to know the characters, the storyline as it progressed over those seasons obviously the whole cast and crew. So you knew it was just a very, very comfortable nurturing place to work and really quite a lot of fun. The schedules are crazy. I mean, you're, you're basically doing half a feature every eight to 12 days and it's very, very fast, which does teach you to really trust your instincts. Mm. You know, when I'm putting together a scene, it made me much faster is what it did. It made me trust and, and understand, you know, what I thought when I was, as I was constructing a scene to, to trust my, my instincts and to continue to move forward quickly, just because you don't have time. Mm. Um, when you're in the feature world, it, you do have the luxury of having a bit more time to kind of go back and confirm and change and, you know, perfect stuff um, a little bit more. And and the creative process takes time too. Yeah. That's the frustrating part with, with TV for me is just like, I, I felt like I didn't have the time to really work that creative side and just have time to let it you know, sometimes you have to walk away for a couple of days and come back and you're like, Oh, Hey, I see that. I get it now. Mm. You know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You're, you're stuck and you're stuck and you're stuck and you get up and walk away and come back. And it's like, well, why it was sitting right there. The piece was right there. Why couldn't I see it? It that's, that's the disadvantage with TV is you just don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, a lot of the um, composers I talk to say very much the same thing of you, you yeah. just have to go with your gut when you're writing for TV compared to a film. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were talking earlier about how the editing process can change a film. Has there been any time when you've been working on something that has utterly altered at the edit point from what you kind of originally thought the film would be? Uh, definitely, that that's happened a number of times. Sometimes it happens within just a scene. You know, there's a scene that you're putting together that, when it's in the context of the whole film, you realize that that scene if it's put in a different location can mean something very, very different. Or if you only show part of the scene, but I've, I've worked on other films where, uh, I've, I've come in to, to either help and or recut movies, um, that were problematic, which is a really fun, difficult and challenging thing to do. Um, because, you know, you're, you're sort of walking into this somewhat chaotic situation that's often, you know, politically difficult and emotionally difficult for parties involved. And, and, you know, you have to come in and just try stuff and see if uh, fresh eyes, you know, to come in and see if you can do it. And I I have done that on a film, few films where I have massively changed what was there, either structurally or just uh, performance wise. And it's, it's really, it's really, really fun. It's not, it's not at all about somebody else doing something wrong. It's Mm. about, you know, sometimes you kind of go down a rabbit hole and you, you just can't, you're just too close to it and you just can't get yourself out. Or there's a personality thing, you know, between a editor and a director or the studio and the director or whatever it is. And you just sort of need somebody who's not involved in any of that drama to come in and say, Hey, how about this? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a really, it's a fun and challenging uh, position to be in. Yeah. I, that, that must be, must be a difficult 
process to go through and just sort of walking it because you're not entirely sure what you're walking into i guess sometimes <laughs> oh you're never sure well, you have no clue it's it's a, there's a lot of like ooh, i hope this works out sometimes though when i do that i've watched films and i can absolutely see what the issue is you know you can see that it's a wonderful movie but it's just gotten in its own way other yeah. times i've watched the film you know there have been times where i've passed on jobs where i watch it and I'm, i just there have been times I've passed because I liked it. I'm like, why are you recutting this? This is great. <laughs> and there are times when I've just watched it and I'm like, whoa, there, I don't know. I, I have no idea what I would do to help that movie. Yeah. And, you know, I can't help you. And then, you know, but, but when I do watch something and I see that I think I can help it in some way, it's really, really fun to do that. Mm. Does it make it difficult for you watching films these days? Because, I mean, can, can you just go in and watch something and kind of remove the editor part of your brain and, mm -hmm. and sit and enjoy something? Or it, does it click in? Or do you know that it's not working and that's when it clicks in? <laughs> when, when a film is good and, you know, is emotionally working for me, I am an audience member, 100%. I'm not watching anything but just the pleasure of watching a great movie. And that's really fun. If a film is not good, that's all I think about is, you know, why did they do this? What if they had done that? How come, the, you know, and that's that's not fun at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. so, but no, when it when it's when it's a good movie, I can be just the best audience and and um not watch anything from any professional place. That's good. I'll finish with the uh the last two questions we always ask people. First question is what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Well I just finished binge watching the crown which i love that show it's <laughs> very popular it. yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's just lovely i mean i i have to say i'm extraordinarily impressed by it it's it's a fun show to watch uh, you know you know ab about these people but not really especially mm. as an american yeah. um and it's beautiful and it's and the performances are great and the way it's shot's great and the music's great everything's lovely about it it's just really a fun show uh so that's the first First one that comes to mind. I recently watched, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, well, I, I actually recently just binge watched all, all of um, Game of Thrones, which <laughs> really? I, I had worked on the pilot and I hadn't watched it since the pilot. Wow. And, um, and so I had the opportunity to, to just sit down and plow through well, at the time it was six seasons and uh, then I watched the seventh live, but plowed through all six seasons of it. And yeah, that was, that was fun. So <laughs> did you, great. so if you worked on the pilot, did you have yeah. any inkling of how massive that show was going to end up becoming? No, no, you never have any idea. I mean, not at all. I, there, I worked as an assistant editor on Pulp Fiction too. And that I had no clue about that one. Um, you know, all I knew is that I loved the movie and yeah. I could quote all of the lines and we had a blast working on it and Quentin was fantastic. And, but you know, you're in a bubble, you're in a vacuum and you have no clue what, what the world I've worked on many films that I thought were fantastic and nobody else responded to them. <laughs> so you have no clue. You just, you put it, you finish it, you put it out there and you cross your fingers. And sometimes it's, you know, uh, just a huge, massive reaction. And yeah. sometimes it's just like, oh, well, next. <laughs> Pul Pulp Fiction must have been a crazy thing to be editing on because that's it's just, yeah, yeah, I mean, that I, the, the way that that is cut together with it, you know, kind of in backwards and sort of random order and stuff, that 
Let's yeah. do it. Did it, you? It was fantastic. But that, you know, Quentin's script was that way. I mean, yeah. that's, he put it together. He, it was that way from the beginning. And I don't think there was anything that moved around actually, which is that I'll, have, I'll say that is one of the few films where it was probably the film where the least amount of structural work was done. And by least, I mean, I don't think any structural work was done wow. in post. Yeah. yeah. If I it was 25 years ago, so I might be wrong, but <laughs> if I remember it, that's yeah. But it, it was a blast. I've worked on three films with Quentin as the assistant and additional editor. I was working with Sally Menke, his longtime editor for yeah. years. And that was amazing, amazing experience. Yes, I can imagine it would be. Yeah. yeah. So last question, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Not, mm. not a show. And and you kind of stuff there because everybody says Game of Thrones for this question. You can't use I it because you've already and had I it. And I used it already? <laughs> yeah, you wow. used it already and you can't use a I've, show that you've already been on. So <laughs> I've really blown that, haven't I? Let's see. Oh, here's my dog, dog barking to help. Um, you know, there's so many shows that I love. I really love Broadchurch. Um, yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank now on shows. I, I watch television, you know, I watch television more than I watch movies. I'd have to say, um, I think there are a lot of really fantastic shows on television right now that I would be thrilled and honored to work on because they're so good. They're just so good. Yeah. And I'm completely drawing a blank. I apologize. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> show I would love to wear. Maybe the, maybe the crown, although I used that one before, um, <laughs> Just because that's the latest thing that I've watched and really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Handmaid's Tale was fantastic as well. Yes, um, yeah, that's uh, an amazing that's a, show. That's an incredibly thought-provoking and fascinating show, beautifully shot. Mm. Yeah. I'm quite lo- looking forward to um, Altered Carbon. It's a new sci-fi show based on a Richard K. Morgan book. It's a new Netflix really? series. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know about that. That sounds great. I was interviewing the production designer for Legends of Tomorrow. When I asked him that last question, he, he was going, Alton Carbon, that's the show I want to work for. Because <laughs> they're next door. I've seen the sets. It looks amazing. <laughs> so, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as my answer. <laughs> I don't know it. But now I'm intrigued. That's the one I'd like to, like to work on. Yeah. That's Cool. Yeah, go look that up. That will be my, my tip. I shall let you go and get back to your day. But thank you okay. for spending some time and uh, coming on and talking to thank me. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. Take yeah, care. Lovely talking okay. to you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Tatiana. I hope you really enjoyed that. The movie is out on the 16th of February in the UK. If you want to go and catch that at cinemas, I urge you to do it because it does look like it's going to be really good. And you can go and see her work in action. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We kick off with Britannia, which is a brand new show coming to Sky Atlantic on the 18th of January. You must have seen trailers for this because they've been all over the place. I have, and it is on my series link. I am going to watch this one just in case it becomes a Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it looks like it has potential to maybe do that. It's got a great cast. Uh, I mean, David Morrissey is always brilliant in everything. Joey Wanamaker as well. And uh, I mean, it it looks like it's going to be a really interesting show they're actually dropping every episode on the 18th onto the uh well now tv and onto sky catch-up so you yeah, can very go much on- like 
they did that with Tin Star, and I yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that. So yes, and Tin Star was great as well. That's back for another season as well. That's on the 18th. There's quite a few things starting on the 18th actually. We've got uh, Riverdale, which is back for the second half of that. That comes back to Netflix on the 18th as well. Dynasty is back for the second half of its first season. That's on the 18th as well. Uh, I watched a few episodes of that. It's utterly stupid, but quite entertaining to watch. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, The Path, which is back for its third season. This is the Aaron Paul drama. Uh, it's about a fictional religion. I, I've been told this is quite good, but I haven't got around to watching it. That That's on its third season. It's on Amazon Prime. That's on the 18th. Superstore season two. That starts on ITV on the 18th of January at 8.30. It's basically following, because they've been doing um, these yeah. daily, haven't they? So it's sort of following on almost straight after the season one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, they've just been rolling it completely yeah. so the first the first um season probably in us was in 2015 um and yeah. 2016 so we've been getting them now and i think what itv2 are going to try and do very much what e4 did with the goldbergs back when they first brought that out they're right, just yeah. going to try and run them continuously until they're fully up to date yeah and then have them part of their sort of preview comedy night schedule so yeah so um i haven't caught any of these but uh, i'm assuming you're enjoying it if you've been watching it yeah, so. i think it's it's slightly better than trolleyed i know it's got a lot of trolleyed elements in it where you yes. sort of cut away and you've got audio and their customers doing odd things but you know it's, it's quite funny it's got some really distinct characters that make up a, a better dynamic than i think than trolleyed um and the first season was only i think 11 episodes but the second one got bumped right up to 21 so oh, right. okay. um I, i'm pretty certain they'll fire through those probably and then start season three uh, yeah. probably before easter around easter um, yeah. if they their way so that's good cool so uh yes but that's season two that starts on uh superstore season two idv2 18th of january at 8 30 that's on grace and frankie back on netflix for its fourth season that's on the 19th of january so uh, that's when you've got to be uh caught up to date with that then we've got six which is a drama about the u.s navy seals it's actually I think it's a history show. You know, it's one of the history channels, so it's quite a sort of dark, gritty drama about Navy SEALs based on real-life missions. They're inspired by real-life missions. Uh, that's coming to Five Spike, because calling it Spike didn't have the right branding. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just hate Five branding yeah. sometimes. But uh, yeah, Five Spike. So that's... Surely you could call it Five Spikes or... Uh, I, I, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, yes, Five Spike, uh, 19th of January at 9pm. That's called Six. It's the same production designer that worked on um, uh, Manhunt Unibomber, which is now on Netflix, which is brilliant if you haven't watched that. Well worth going to see. I heard see. you talking about that last week and yes yeah well worth going to watch that call the midwife back for its seventh season that's on 21st of january at 8 p.m which is i mean everybody knows what call the midwife is i think at this point uh, that's on bbc one 21st of january major crimes back for the second half of its final season i'm Sixth happy season. and sad i'm happy that it's back but sad that it's going so <laughs> that's coming back to the universal channel 22nd of january at 9 p.m and then black lightning which is a the brand new dc show which is is sort of connected but not connected to the other DC shows which is why it's on, on Netflix and not on Sky uh, so season one of that coming 23rd of January very much looking forward to that because I think it's started this week or it starts this week so there's previews and stuff gone out and it seems to have gone down fairly well with the previews so um 
yes, looking forward to that coming out. It looks like it's going to be fun. That's 23rd of January. That starts on Netflix in the UK. So that's everything we have for this week, I think. Thank you, Gray, for coming on and hope you enjoyed your first episode. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, you should be back on in a few weeks. If you want to find more information from us throughout the week, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk. You can get all the latest air date info and news. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. 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 of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details